0: Well good morning, I'm so glad to see your faces, you're so like close this morning, <laughs> you're like hey, how you doing, thanks. Okay, so today we're going to talk about some really light-hearted stuff, really lighthearted, intercession, friendship, and covenant, no big deal, no big deal, it's all good. But before we get started, I want you to get out a piece of paper or maybe write there in your notes. I want you to write down five people that would call you friend. Not five people that you would say are your friends. <laughs> I'm glad you liked that, Jennifer. That was good. But five people <laughs> that would call you friend. So just take a second, write down five people. <clears throat> I've got tons of allergies going on, so I may be <clears throat> coughing. Okay, we'll get back to this a little bit later. Um, I know that Carol just prayed, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer prayers this morning too. Good morning, Lord. I'll just come before you now, and I just offer you Everything I am and everything I have, I just pray that Your Spirit rest a mighty hand over each heart in this room, and I pray that You will open eyes and reveal who You are, O oh, awesome and mighty and wonderful God. In Jesus' name, Amen. So when I first read chapter 30, thirty-two, I was like, "Gah, this is pretty harsh." I mean. God was kind of mean, you know? I was like, this is pretty harsh. But then the more I thought about all we've studied since the beginning of this year, the more I realized really how gracious he's been to the Israelites. He has been so great. He spared them from the plagues, right? He saved them by the blood of the lamb from the angel of death, He delivered them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He protected and guided them with a cloud by day and fire by night. He fed them with manna and quail and turned bitter waters to sweet. He desired a relationship with the Israelites and descended onto a mountain so he could have fellowship with them. He is so gracious. He was their everything and he gave them everything just so he could have fellowship with them. You know, if we read it from that perspective, the fact that the people gave into their flesh and they rebelled and disobeyed the Lord, my anger burned within me. I was kind of angry when I read, why are you doing this, Israel? You know, in January, I spoke to you about the Mosaic Covenant, the giving of the law. So if we look back at chapter nine, we're gonna see the giving of the law, and why God gave it through the Mosaic Covenant. It says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And so Moses came, and he gathered the elders and the people together, and he told them all the words the Lord had commanded. And what did the people answer? They said, All that the Lord will have spoken, we're going to do it. We're going to obey you, Lord. And so God gives them this law. And if you remember, He gives them the Ten Commandments. And the first commandments are You shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make a graven image, and you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. And what did they do? They, the minute Moses is MIA, The minute they have to wait, they go their own way. They disobey all three commandments. All three are that are against God. This was so convicting to me. I was so bothered with the Israelites and what they did. And as I was reading, I felt the Holy Spirit just put a mirror in front of my face. I looked a whole heck of a lot like the Israelites, they completely do the exact opposite what God says, but that tends to be a lot of times what I do. I am so quick to lose faith the minute that the Father doesn't answer my prayers when I want him to. The minute I can't feel him, I just do my own thing. Waiting. Waiting on the Lord. It's the hardest part of life, isn't it? I bet each of you Is waiting on the Lord in some way or another. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to having to wait on the Lord? Well, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you with God's Word. Those that wait upon the Lord, right? I have a verse, Psalm 40, verse 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the miry pit out of the muck and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Ladies, are you waiting patiently for the Lord? The Israelites didn't. They broke their promise. They broke their promise to keep the Mosaic law, and that changed their fellowship with God. In their waiting, they decided to build a golden calf and worship it. But not only did they worship it, they had a huge party, they made sacrifices, and they gave praise to the golden calf for delivering them from Egypt. So I looked into this golden calf. <clears throat> this was the image of a bull. That was what this was. And if you look back at the Egyptian deities, a lot of them were bulls. Apis, was the most powerful deity, powerful. He was the Egyptian bull deity, and his role was to be an intermediary between humans and God. How crazy is that? Who was the intermediary right then for the Israelites? Moses. And they were taking it into their own hands and making their own God they were reverting back to what they knew in Egypt. And they reinvented the covenant that God had just given given them. They did exactly what Moses had did when presenting the covenant. So if we look in chapters 19 through 24, that is when the law was given. And so let's see, let's compare the two. So first of all, the same kind of language is used. Moses, or God, in verses 20, verse 2, says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. But then if we look in 32, verse 4, we see that they said the same thing. These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron says it again in verse 8. What else do we see that's similar? Moses builds an altar, and he sacrifices at the base of Mount Sinai, in 24 verse 4. And then, what, do the, what does Aaron do? Aaron builds an altar, and he sacrifices to the calf, to the golden calf. Then we see, in um, 24 11, that Moses gathers the people, and they sit down and they eat and drink. They celebrate the the giving of the law. And what does Aaron do and all the people do? And 32, five, and six, they sit down and eat and drink, but then they rise up and they party like it's 1999. I mean, y'all, this is a full out, this isn't like, hey, sisters, let's, let's party. It is like the worst party. Think about the worst party you've ever been to, maybe in college, maybe during your single years. Okay, it's worse than that. It was so pagan. It was horrible. And what I noticed was that they took the gold that God gave them when they left Egypt and used that to make the calf. This was the ultimate spit in your face, stomp on your heart, betrayal to God. So that harshness that I thought of, I changed my mind a little bit. They were basically saying, We don't want you, God. And Moses, we don't want you either. And we definitely don't want to have fellowship with you. It was total chaos. The broken tablets, they symbolized a broken fellowship with the Lord. The great high priest Aaron, he was shamed. When they confronted him, he was like, What? The people did it. He didn't own up to his sin. He actually lied about his sin. I just wanted to go man up. Aaron, man up. Come on. Confess your sins and own up to your sins. And then I thought of a little example of my kids. So Sunday night, I hosted 24 12-year-olds at my house for a small group. Yeah, and so I bought all these really cute cupcakes. You know, they're like bright spring colors, and I had them all cute and decorated and put on the little cake thing. Not that my boys really care about that, but you know I do. And so I left the room, and then I came back in, and I, I was kind of looking at the cupcake tower, and I was like, "Hmm, there, there's one missing." And I was like, "Boys, hey boys, can y'all come on in here?" And so they came in, and I asked them, "Hey guys." What happened to the cupcake? I don't know, Mom. I don't know. Dolly must have eaten it. I I don't know where the cupcake is. How many of you have had that same thing happen with your kids where they eat the chocolate cake and it's, like, all over their face? I'll get this off so it doesn't strike you. That's what Aaron looked like, right? 3,000 people were killed. Their names were blotted out of God's book. They were struck with a plague, and worst of all, worst of all, God says to them, I will not go with you. To be separated from God was worse than death. God's response to the people, leave me alone so that I may destroy them and blot their names out from under heaven. Wow. Who would ever want to be separated from God? Moses. Moses didn't want to. He was God's chosen intercessor for the Israelites. He goes to the Lord in prayer and he pleads with the Lord. And he even willingly says, "I will lay down my life if you will not blot them out, if you will spare them." Moses goes to him in prayer and he says, "God, let me remind you that these are a stiff-necked people." So he kind of confesses, "Hey, these are a stiff-necked people, but they still belong to you." Then he reasons with him and he says, "If you if you destroy them, what will your enemy say?" They will say that you brought them out of Egypt so you can destroy them in the wilderness. And then he reminds God of the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, God, your promises must never fail. I loved this picture of prayer. Ladies, how's your prayer life? How are you doing going before the Lord? I want to encourage each of you to make prayer life one of the biggest parts of your relationship with the Lord. That is what keeps us in fellowship with him. We need to go before the Lord in praise. We need to remember what he's done for us. We need to confess our sins, and we need to ask specifically for what we need. And then, so sweetly as Moses did, we need to intercede for God's people, for all people, just like Moses did. God says in Romans 12:12, 12, 12, "Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer." The prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. James 5:16. And ladies, just when you are so tired of praying and you're not getting those answers, you haven't heard from the Lord? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Just keep praying. Think of Dory. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Keep going to the Lord. Our prayers can accomplish so much. I mean, Moses was human just like he, we are. And his prayers saved a nation. Wow. God is listening. He listens to us. He listened to Moses. And what does God do? He relents. I love that word, relent. He backs off and he relents. Israel is preserved, was preserved through the power of prayer. Israel was preserved through the power of prayer. Ladies, don't stop praying. It taught me so much about God, that he is merciful. He's a merciful God. Ladies, we're memorizing Psalm 103. If you want to say this with me, I want to welcome you too. Psalms 103, 8 through 10, the Lord is compassionate and glorious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat amen. God is merciful. He listens to our prayers, and he answers. He will answer. It may be no. It may be yes. Or it may be wait. But keep praying. Keep praying. And lastly, I learned that God desires that fellowship with us. He desires fellowship with his people. Moses interceded in prayer, but what else did he do? He willingly said, I will lay down my life for the Israelites. Exodus 32, 31 through 32, I'm gonna read 32. But now, please forgive their sins, but if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. What does this remind you of? Who does this remind you of? Moses was a picture to us of Christ. Ladies, we have a better intercessor, a perfect intercessor. He prays for us and he did lay down his life. He was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. That's Jesus Christ, ladies. If if he answered the prayers of Moses will he not answer the prayers of his one and only son who sits at the right hand of God making prayers for us, interceding for us? He is our better intercessor. Hebrews 5.11, I'm sorry, Hebrews 5 seven. during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. While he was here on earth, he prayed for us. And then he says in John 17, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe because of their message. Do you know when he prayed that prayer in John 17? The night before he was crucified. With suffering and death in his mind and right in front of him, God prayed for you and me. He saw each of your faces in his mind and he prayed for you before he went and died on the cross for you. We tell our sons that. When Jesus died on the cross, you were in his mind. He prays for you. And now he is risen and he sits at the right hand of God interceding. Romans eight thirty four Christ Jesus who died but better more than that was raised to life He is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Oh, how he loves us, ladies. That song, oh, how he loves us. Jesus is our better intercessor. And he is also our better friend. It says in Exodus 33, 9 and 11, that as Moses went to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And then what does it say? The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Ladies, this is your perfect example of a quiet time. Those words brought so much joy to my heart, so much joy. God longs for me to come into his presence so he can speak to me face to face like one speaks to a friend. Oh, he speaks to me. I just, that just overwhelms my heart. And my prayer for you, my burning desire for each of you is that those words would bring the same joy to your heart. The same joy that you would hunger and thirst for that time in his presence where he comes to you like a friend and speaks to you face to face. So sweet. God is so, so sweet. So Moses, with his concerns and his burdens, goes to the Lord I mean, he had just spent a lot of time, over 40 years, with the Lord. From the burning bush all the way to now, he has had access and had the Lord with him. And God says, I will not go with you. I think I would probably be like, oh my gosh, what? I can't do this without you, Lord. I can't do this without you. And I think he realizes that. And so in verse 13 of chapter 33, he says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Moses wants to know God's ways so he can know him. Even Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Moses and Paul, ladies, amazing men of God's word, want to know Christ. They never stopped desiring to know him more. We will go our entire lives, ladies, and seek him out and never completely understand or grasp who God is. Keep going, though. How does God answer him? Verse 14, I love this. This is awesome. He says very quickly, right? We all wish God would just answer us this fast Moses, I will go with you and I will give you rest. I will go with you and I will give you rest. But I noticed that it was like Moses didn't hear what God said, he just kept talking. He didn't hear that he said, I will go with you and give you rest. And so he just keeps talking. And how often is our definition of prayer going to the Lord and just talking? We might be praising him, thanking him, um, worshiping him, asking for things, and then we forget to sit and listen. And so Moses keeps going. If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go either, he says if you can't go with me to the promised land, I would rather stay here. The promise of the promised land. And he's like, no. I'd rather stay here and fellowship with you than ever go there. And so God answers him in probably the sweetest response that we could ever hope for from God. In verse 17, he says, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Ladies, can you imagine hearing God say those words to you? I just want you to imagine that. In John 10, 3, he says the shepherds Shepherd hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Ladies, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he knows your name. He knows each name in this room. as his children if you know his Savior, if you know his son, the Savior, and he is pleased. Because of the work of of his son on the cross, he can look at each of you and say, I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I can just hear it, ladies. Can you hear it? Can you hear him talking to you? Can you just close your eyes for a minute and just listen for his voice to say, I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Such sweet words. And then Moses says, God, show me your glory. God had already shown his glory in amazing ways. And Moses is like, show me more. I want more of you, God. He wanted to get to know God so much better than he already did. And what a great question for you and I to ask every day. God, show me who you are today. Show me your glory. Every morning, ladies, the first prayer on your lips, God, show me who you are today. Show me your glory. To fully know God, we must daily enter into his presence, and then we will behold his glory. To fully know God, we must daily enter into his presence, And then he will show you who he is. And so God does just that. But then he says, Moses, I can't show you my glory because what will happen if I show you my glory? You will die. And so God shows Moses everything that Moses can bear to see. And if you look in your word, it says that he shows the glory of his goodness the glory of his goodness but what must happen first before Moses gets a glimpse of God and his goodness what must happen first he must stand in the cleft of the rock with God's hand covering him ladies I don't want you to miss this of anything in our lesson today don't miss this If you want to know God fully, if you want to to know his goodness and be in his presence and have that sweet relationship of a God that knows you by name, you must first stand close to God on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ who stands at the right hand of God and protects you with his hand with his nail-pierced hand that forgave you. Don't miss this, ladies. Jesus is talking about his son right here in Exodus. You must stand on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. I hope you hear what I'm saying, dear sisters, because to behold God's glory and his goodness, you must accept the gift of Jesus Christ his death and his resurrection. It is through Christ that we won't just get to see a glance of God's glory. We will get to see all of God's glory. Every bit of it through Jesus Christ. I don't want you to to leave this room if you don't know who this Jesus is we're talking about. We've talked about him all through Bible study, and I'm sure you've heard his name over and over again. And so, ladies, if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please don't leave this room. Please come and talk to me after. Go to one of your leaders and tell them, I don't know that I know this Jesus. Because I don't want you to leave this morning without me being able to say that you are my sister. Each one of you. So now I want you to look at your list of names. Take a look. Look at that piece of paper. Is Jesus on that list? If he's not, if he's not, ladies. And you know Jesus personally, I want you to take your pen and I want you to write his name in giant bold letters on the top of your list. The top of your list. Because guess what, ladies? In John 15 15, he says, I have called you friend. I have called you friend. And he is not just the better friend, ladies. He is your best friend. Because what did he do for you? He laid down his life for you. Greater love than this, than a man who has laid down his life for his brother. He is your best friend. Your best friend. Lastly, but the greatest of all, is that through Jesus, we have a better covenant. We've talked about this word, covenant, before. Um, I talked about it when we we introduced the Ten Commandments. And so I want to review the official definition for you. A covenant is a formal and legally binding declaration of benefits to be given by one party to another with or without conditions attached. A binding declaration of benefits. That is so not what I think of when I think of the law that God gave. I think of it as like a check, checklist, right? But it is a declaration of benefits. And I want to read to you a little bit about um, this covenant. So there's tons of covenants in the Bible. There's lots of them. But today we're just going to focus on Mosaic covenant and New Covenant. And I read this, um, found this awesome quote online and I just want to read it to you. The Mosaic Covenant is especially significant because it is God's promise to make Israel a kingdom of a priest, a holy nation. There's that benefit, right? We said it in 19.6, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Israel was to be God's light to the dark world around them. They were to be a separate, called-out nation so that everyone around them would know that they worshiped Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. God was using the Israelites to draw everyone else to himself. This is significance. This is significant because it is here that Israel receives the Mosaic law, and that law would point the way to the coming of Christ. So the reason for the covenant was so that Israelites could be a light to the world and point to the coming of Christ. But it wasn't just for them, it was for everyone. A savior for all mankind, not just the Israelites. And so in chapter 34, God takes Moses up to the mountain and he renews this covenant with him, with with Moses. But this time... The covenant looks a little different than it did the first time. So, one of the things that we notice is that the first time, God cuts the stone. But this time, Moses cuts it and brings it to the Lord. When God first presented the covenant, the law, all of Israel were supposed to be the priests. Blessing for all. But now, because of the breaking of the fellowship, Only the Levites would be priests. That's where Moses came from, as the tribe of Levi. Instead of seeing God's glory all the time, they would see God's glory on the face of God, of, of Moses. They would see God's glory through the radiant face of Moses. Instead of dwelling in the camp, remember how he dwelled in the camp? He would now dwell outside the camp in the tent of meeting. You see, God moves away from the people, but he doesn't abandon them. Just like the Israelites, as believers, our sinful conduct breaks fellowship with God, but it doesn't break our relationship. We are secure in Christ. We are secure in Christ. But if you want to walk in fellowship with God, your choices matter. Your choices matter. I mean, think about my son who ate the cupcake and then pretty much did what Aaron did and just, like, denied the whole thing. Did he break my fellowship with him? Yeah. There was a lot less trust going on between my son and I. But is he still my son And do I still love him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was there consequences for what he did? Yes, there was. And so as Moses goes up on the mountain into the presence of the Lord, protected in the cleft of the rock by the hand of God, he gets a glimpse of God's glory and his goodness. And what is his response? He bows and he worships the Lord. You know, in the same way, God gives us all glimpses of his goodness and his glory. Maybe it was the sunrise. Maybe it's the the children's laughter that we hear on Sunday mornings as we walk through our church. Maybe it's the walking on the beach and the soft sand between your toes. What glimpses of God do you get every day? I saw... Glimpses of God's glory and goodness when I was in Haiti last month and I watched my sons teach the good news to young children and play with them and enjoy them. And I also saw it as my son's best friend was baptized right next to his dad in the Caribbean Sea. Ladies, the stories of what God is doing in your life through His Word those are glimpses to us of God's glory. Carol brought this up earlier, but in two weeks we're going to have a chance to share with each other and give each other glimpses of God's glory and what he's doing in our lives through his word, through Exodus. And I pray that you take time and write those down so that we can have those glimpses of God's glory here on earth. So ladies, as you read chapter 34, what was the best part of the renewal of that covenant? What was the best part? That God says, I will be with you, Israel. That was the best part. He did not leave them or forsake them. He was right there with them. And not only that, But what did he say? He says, I will work for you. I will fight for you. I will perform amazing wonders and awesome miracles before your eyes. And one of those amazing wonders was the glory of the Lord on the face of Moses. Ladies, if we would spend that much time in the presence of the Lord, faces would be a light to everyone around us. We would reflect who God is, and they would know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Spend time with him. Because Moses' face shone so bright, ladies, that he had to wear a veil. He had to have a veil over his face because he shone so brightly. But for you and me today, there is no veil. Because of Jesus Christ, in 1 Corinthians 3.13 we read, because of Jesus Christ, the veil has been removed. When a man turns to the Lord, he removes the veil. The veil is taken away. Ladies, it is, ladies, it is through Jesus Christ we have a better covenant, a new covenant that allows a way into which the veil has been torn and we are allowed into the presence of the Lord. Alicia touched on this two weeks ago in her teaching. The veil that was ripped from top to bottom that separated the holy place that we could not enter into, that the Israelites couldn't enter into, it has been torn. You see, the law was given but it didn't save the people, remember? They were saved by the blood of the Lamb when the blood was written on the doorposts in Egypt, right? But the law was a new and wonderful way for the people to live. It was a way for them to live and point to Jesus, to be a light. Well, Ladies, the same is with you and me. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb and then we are called to live a new life in Christ pointing to Jesus Ladies if we want to walk as the Israelites did we're going to miss out But if you want to walk in fellowship as Moses did then and be blessed by God daily have your prayers answered, see glimpses of his glory in the land of the living, then we have to remember what the Israelites did and that our choices matter. Our choices matter. You know, when Moses came down that first uh, in 32 with the law written on the tablets of stone, that feast, they celebrated with a feast. And that was the first feast of Pentecost. That was that feast. And it's still celebrated today. They were commanded to celebrate it forever. That was the celebration of the giving of the law. Well, on that day, 3,000 people were killed because of their disobedience to the Lord. Well, fast forward to Acts 2. Jews from all over, everywhere, come to Jerusalem. And they celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And during this time, the Holy Spirit came like wind and fire, and he did a new work. A new work. In the Old Testament, the law was written on tablets of stone. But in the New Testament, the law is written on the hearts of men, on the hearts of men. Ladies, this was the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 3.3 3, And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. On that day, in Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost, when the new covenant was given, 3,000 people were saved. Wow. God redeemed what had been lost so many years ago because he is gracious and he is good. He redeemed what had been lost. Those 3,000 men, those 3,000 people They came from all over. They were under the law of Moses, the Mosaic Covenant. But now, because of the work of Jesus Christ and the New Covenant, it was written on their hearts. And what did they do? They took that and they went back to all over everywhere and told everyone. Everyone. Ladies, do you know that this was the start of the church? This was the start of the church. Can you imagine? God redeems and he rescues and he restores. Oh, how he loves us. Let's pray. Lord, I felt like I was fighting back tears this whole time. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for always restoring restoring me to fellowship with you. Thank you for being a God who prays for me, who calls me friend, who knows my name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died on the cross and you gave us the new covenant written on our hearts. Lord, I pray right now for every woman in this room. I pray that she will go out and be a light to the world for you. And Lord, for those who don't know you by name, who don't know that you are their Lord and Savior, I pray that you will stir their hearts to find out who you are, to come to you in an everlasting relationship with you. I praise and thank you for your word, for revealing who you are in mighty and awesome ways. In Jesus' name, amen.